0: Well, hello, my friends. I am John O'Leary, and I'm so happy to have you here joining me in the Live Inspired movement. On every Live Inspired podcast episode I have, amazing guests join me to share their story, their successes, their failures, their lessons, their life. Now, before we get started, you should consider checking us out, if you haven't yet, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, wherever you grab your social feeds. You can learn more about this at JohnO'LearyInspires.com. But if you'd like these weekly podcasts, what better way to get this inspiration day after day than through social media? I think social media is a phenomenal way to stay in touch. So consider staying in touch with us. I know I would love to meet you online there. So Inspires.com is the mothership. You'll see all the handles off of that. I look forward to you following there and for us staying in touch through social media. On today's episode, though, I get to introduce you to not only one of the most energetic presenters, energetic human beings that I have ever met, but also a friend. I'm going to share the story in a few moments about how Ben Newman and I first became acquainted. But Ben Newman is a best-selling author. He is a coach. He is a presenter. He's a father. He's a, a husband. He's got a whole lot of hats that he wears But I love Ben Newman's heart. I love his mind. I love his energy. And I think when you're finished listening to this podcast today, you're going to see why. My great encouragement to you on the front side of this interview is for you to buckle up. Get the oxygen mask ready. We are ready for takeoff, my friends. Open up your hearts. Open up your minds. Open up your journals. And get ready for the tsunami that is Ben Newman. So, my friends... Please welcome with me to the Live Inspire community, my friend and our newest guest, Ben Newman.
1: J.O., it is awesome to be with you and all your listeners.
0: Man, it's, it's a pleasure. The first time I met you, you were in insurance. You were one of the number one producers in the world at the time. I gave a presentation, you came up afterwards, and you said something to the effect of, Uh, man, you are a beautiful human being. You are a gift to the world. And you gave me this huge bear hug. I'll never forget it.
1: That's Those were the words. You are a gift to the world. And uh, to this day, I still consider you to be a gift in my life. You know, typically we're running into each other in airports these (laughs) days rather than scheduled time. We need to get better at that. But uh, you are a gift, man. I'm excited to be with you and your listeners. Well,
0: it's a pleasure. And the cool thing is as a presenter, I meet a whole lot of folks after speaking. But I'm not able to stay connected with those folks, and I'm not able to grow closer with them. However, you and I have grown closer and closer over the decade or so that have followed. For those that don't know the name Ben Newman, they don't know our friendship, tell them and remind me about you. Tell me about your relationships today, what matters, and what you do professionally.
1: Yeah, So I am a performance coach. I'm a speaker. I'm an author. However, I think that the title that is most important is my work as a dad and a husband. And, you know, those are things I'm trying to get better at every single day. I've had plenty of coffee talks with John (laughs) O'Leary, the man across from me, you know, helping me with all of my relationships personally and professionally. And I think for all of us, that's what life is really about. You know, I consider those times when we get together, those times where I can learn from you and I hope there are things that I can share with you. I hope there are things that I can share with the listeners because no matter what titles we talk about or stages I've stepped on, I've been knocked down so many times in my life and to have people like you in my corner and people like the amazing guests you've had on this show, that's what life's about and that's what gets us up.
0: Well, man, it, it gets me up and I've loved those coffees like you have. Uh, ben, rather than talking about those coffees or your role today as a dad, a husband, a speaker, author, etc., back the train all the way up, man. T- tell me what life was like for little Ben Newman growing up. Well, a lot of my
1: my mentors and coaches, after they've gotten to, to know me and to hear my story, many of them have referred to me as an old soul. You know, life came at me quick and life came at me fast. And I think for all of us, you know, Oftentimes, the world tries to tell us it's not our time, or maybe exactly the way you pictured your life to be isn't the way that it is right now. And I had to face a lot of those challenges very early on. I had a mother who, in 1983, was diagnosed with a rare muscle disease called amyloidosis. And for those of you that don't know what amyloidosis is, each and every single one of us, we have amyloids in our muscles. If you have an excess, you have this disease, amyloidosis. There was no cure for the disease. One of the top two leading experts in the world told my mother, a divorced mother, divorced when I was six months old, Mm -hmm. right, never knew my parents together, she's fighting to make ends meet as a teacher, this doctor tells my mom that she had two to four years to live, and she was only the second woman under 40 years old they'd ever seen or heard of having amyloidosis. And as you know, John has has seen the journal. He's touched the journal. My mom kept this journal, which unleashed her positive mental attitude onto the world. She would write, beat the statistics, beat the odds, live with a disease that is chronic and fatal, believe in yourself, combat anything, purpose in life. And her perspective through that adversity, your perspective, John, that you share for all of us, I think it helps us realize that life is tough, but we have it in us
0: to keep fighting. Did you know as a child, first of all, the odds stacked up against your mom? So I'll start there. Did you know that the, the, the challenge and the, uh, the certainty that death was coming her way? I knew it because my dad told me.
1: I knew it because my dad was honest with me. Uh, my dad was direct with me. Uh, my grandparents, my mom's parents, it was tougher for them. Um, nobody would ever necessarily say the words, your mother is going yes. to die. Um, But they would be truthful with me about what was going on. Mm -hmm. And no matter, you know, we've all, everybody listening, you've all faced experience and challenge. I'm not the only one with a story. John isn't the only one with a story. We all have a story. It all happens at different times for us. But if you go to a period of adversity or hardship, you remember the details. (laughs) I don't care how old you are. And, you know, when 24 hour nursing comes into your home and turns your mom's awesome TV room where she, she dated a, a guy named Alan, an amazing man, and he sold video games for a living. So my mom had the real King Kong from the arcade. <laughs> like, like when your mom had the King Kong <laughs> you were arcade legit. and yes. the TV, like you remember when that turns into a 24 hour nursing room. And you remember when your mom how old comes I t- was oh, 7 years old. Seven. 24-hour nursing comes into our house. 7 years old, and my mother came to the dinner table with an IV stand every single night to ask me how my day was at school. What do you remember most about your mom? I remember her smile. My mom had this long brown hair, these big brown eyes, this pearly white smile. and She had energy that went for days, and she talked with her hands like crazy. So for those of you, if you go check out any videos of me speaking, you will see yes. like I am animated. I mean, if a company says to me, like, I am not high-maintenance, I don't speak with slides, I allow my words to paint my pictures, but they'll say, what do you need? A lavalier mic, because if you make me hold <laughs> a mic,
0: like, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. He is The, 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 the emotion <laughs> you're feeling right now, just to put Ben in context— uh, about two months ago, I am sleepwalking <laughs> through an airport. It's four forty five in the AM. I didn't even know, you know, until recently that they made a four forty five in the AM. They do. I'm walking onto this plane and then I hear behind me, O'Leary! And it's Ben Newman. The dude is lit up, highly caffeinated, ready to roll for the day. That's my friend Ben Newman. And so the energy you're feeling right now is not exaggerated. It's not him putting on airs. It's just it's just Ben. So you, you you knew your mother to have this wonderful smile, these beautiful brown eyes, the beautiful hair, talking with her hands. What what about character wise? What do you what do you remember about your mom?
1: I'll tell you an amazing story. This this is the character part. So I. I ended up taking my mother's journal, which took me years to open. I mean, my grandma gave that to me when I was a junior in college, and I packed it away in a box, wrapped it in two rolls of duct tape. I don't know about all of you listening, but, you know, you have these black boxes, I call them, where we tuck away those things that we just aren't ready to deal with or we don't want to deal with. For me, it was that journal. It was the depth of what I went through with my mom because I... I knew it on the surface. I did know it emotionally, but to really go deep through her words with that journal, I wasn't strong enough as a junior in college. Cried like a baby, tucked it away.
0: Let me stop you there, Ben. Did you know as a kid that mom was writing a journal?
1: I had no idea. I had no idea
0: until my grandmother gave it to me as a junior in college. So you're a junior in college. Grandma says, oh, by the way, Ben. And then she tells you about a journal that your mother had kept years earlier.
1: I actually walked into her apartment. I was coming back from, from school, Michigan State University, and she just handed me a box. And I just take the – it was two men in a truck box. I take the lid off the box, and here's this blue mead journal, right, just like you guys used to have in school. Yours was maybe another color. And I pull it out, and I read the first page. I cried like a baby. I could not take it. Mm. I could not take it. And I put it in. I tucked it in two rolls of duct tape, and I literally – it traveled with me to Chicago, back to St. Louis. I didn't open that until my wife was pregnant with our first child. I was 27 years old. So almost
0: 10 years later, Amy is your bride. How does she find the journal and what does she do with it?
1: So if, if everybody can imagine this, we're very organized, organized people. O'Leary knows that. If you if you've ever seen the two of us travel, if you saw we're, a video we're of that, quite different he human shows beings. up five minutes before the flight leaves on there like the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're definitely we've traveled for events. It's definitely different travel schedules. So if you can picture this, this garage that we lived in, right? We lived in downtown St. Louis, and so there were these clear plastic tubs, 30 clear plastic tubs in the garage, and then up in the <clears> upper right hand corner was the 2 men in a truck box wrapped in two rolls of duct tape. And she looks at me and she says, what is in that box? Mm. And I knew it, right? Just like for each and every one of you listening, you know, right? You know that stuff that takes you deep. And you question, is it or isn't it time for me to go there? I pulled the box down. Maybe the time was right. I ripped it open. I read the first page of the journal again, cried like a baby. I gave that to my wife. She read it cover to cover and gave it back to me. And she said, you are just like your mom. (laughs) And it's wild to think that that was in 2008 First time I was ever, ever paid to speak professionally was 2006. So I was already speaking this positivity, telling my mother's story. Those words I shared with you that I, that I had mentioned from her journal, the beat the statistics, beat the, literally right out of well, her journal. Yeah. I hadn't even read them yet. <clears throat> yet I was already speaking and telling her story. So a lot of times that, that old soul I mentioned, or people say, oh, well, they were young. You don't remember. Boy, do you remember? Yes. Boy, do you remember?
0: then uh, it's one of my favorite stories this idea of you as a young boy uh having this mother raising you even as she is slowly losing this fight showing you how to really live i mean your, your mother your mother taught you how to live she didn't tell, tell you how to die she taught you how to live each day to the fullest i'd even throw in
1: their fight yeah. right don't you know that i mean don't you know mm. the truth of that john it's not just living it's the fight that we're all in and You know, sometimes I think we hop on, you know, podcasts and we hear interviews and you may hear of how somebody became successful and it seems really rosy and it seems just so beautiful. But the reality is, man, it's the fight. It's the adversity. And if there's anything I can do to encourage any of you out there, there have been times in my life where I just waited way too long. I waited way too long to dig into the stuff that hurt. I waited way too long to really take on the really tough stuff. I'm talking the real challenges where we find our real character. And oftentimes when we have the courage or we surround ourselves with the people who give us that courage, they they help us find that inner fight that's when you end up finding deeper levels of success because you're going to fight harder. Mm-hmm. And what you may consider to be a challenge right now is going to be nothing mm-hmm. compared to the strength that it takes when you recognize the adversity you've already been through. I mean,
0: in our first several coffee dates and hugs, we talked a lot about your mom, a lot about your career, a lot about your dreams, a lot about Amy and the kids, and nothing really about your father. You uh, you had it. Somewhat distant relationship from your dad for a long time. T- tell me about what dad was like growing up and and uh, why that relationship was so distant.
1: Well, you know, my father. When I when I say that I, I lived in a house, so when my mother passed away, so on November second, nineteen eighty six, my mother took the I'll call it the proverbial football of her life with all the work that we're doing in sports these days, and she took this you know NFL football and she passed it on to my brother and I to continue to write her story, to keep writing the story of that journal, and. When she passed away, my father moved back into the house, and when I say that I lived in a, a home full of high expectations, that might be one of the, the bigger understatements you'll hear this, this century, and it, it was a blessing and it was a curse. Mm-hmm. It's made me the man that I am today. It's made me strong. It's made me realize that I can overcome anything in life, but boy, it was tough, I have amazing memories with my dad. I mean, going to Cooperstown, New York, the Baseball Hall of Fame, him coming to basketball games. But, man, there are those memories as well that are tough, you know, that that, that cut you deep. And I held on to them for a long, long time. And they've affected me in adulthood. And, uh, you know, they, they still affect me today, but we've had some major breakthroughs which have been powerful.
0: Well, tell me about that, because the first time we were hanging out, You weren't speaking to your dad at all, and it sounds like uh, you have had a few breakthroughs, that the connection is back and your father is back in your life again.
1: So I'm a strong man of, uh, of Christ, a strong, faithful man. And I remember having a conversation with my dear friend Aeneas Williams, and and many of you may know Aeneas Williams as an NFL Hall of Famer. You know, I know him as an amazing friend and mentor, and he's a pastor here in St. Louis. And I would even say, if you really research the man Aeneas Williams is, he has done more off the football field than he ever did on— And there's one specific conversation with Aeneas. But before that conversation, there were coffee talks with John O'Leary. There were coffee talks with my high school basketball coach, Ed Johnson. There were, I mean, countless talks with my wife, this struggle that I had with my dad. Mm -hmm. And I looked at Aeneas and I said, you know, what would God want me to do? Reach out to your dad. (laughs) And I said, "Man, but my dad like like therapy could be involved. This could be right? We all fight like yes. sometimes what the other party wants or you- he says, "I don't care about any of that, Ben. Do what needs to be done to have this relationship with your dad." And that was the beginning of my dad's relationship you know the rekindling of the relationship with me my dad meeting my children and you you know what guys this is the tough stuff to talk about but if you think just because i get to go on nfl fields and fire up ncaa teams or fire up you know companies and boardrooms and look, life is not easy. Life is full of challenge. And I am so far from perfect. All you have to do is ask John O'Leary yeah, I'm nodding my head. about about our about our coffee talks. And you know, that was a challenge for me. But man, I look back and, and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the Aeneases. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for those people who have helped me take on those courageous conversations. Ben,
0: your work today. Tell me again and tell our listeners and friends the kind of work that you do and, and uh, what you hope audiences, whether they are one-on-one coaching, group coaching, books, whatever, what they receive after hanging out with you. You know,
1: so our, our work today, you know, from the performance coaching to the speaking to the writing to throwing events, it really is all about the individuals that we have the opportunity to work with. Everybody has a story. Everybody's writing their story. So our goal in any work that we do, whether it's with an individual athlete, with a team, whether it's with a business professional, is to help each individual connect on a deeper level to what they're capable of achieving, to recognize the strength that lies within them, to get clear on exactly where it is that they want to go, and then have a clear understanding of what it's going to take to get there. I think far too many of us, we become challenged by the mindset I'm I'm gonna wake up I'm gonna stare at the sky and go gosh I just hope this happens and you and I both know it that's not how vision works Mm. vision works with you can paint whatever you want on the canvas of your imagination but once you do that you got to pray but you got to go to work and it's the work every single day that gives us the opportunity to do the things that we do and the blessing to be able to look and say I haven't worked in years (laughs) And I think that's really an opportunity for all of us. You know, when you find what you love, you know, when I was brokering paper in Chicago, you know, I loved it. Did I see anything past that? Probably at the time when you're engaged in it, probably didn't. When I was a financial advisor, were there periods of time where I didn't see myself on stages and on athletic fields? Sure, I was right in it. So right where you are right now in your life it's part of your story. It may not be the end. It's just a chapter. But learn and grow where you are and recognize that the life that you want to live, you can live it if you have a strong vision that you believe in and you're willing to put the work in every day.
0: You, when we first met and you gave me that bear hug and you said that, quote, you were at the top of the field. You know, the, one of the most competitive careers around insurance, financial planning. Uh, you were you were there, man. In you, you, quotes, you made it. Why did you make a shift from that? into what you're doing currently.
1: So I started waking up so years ago. I mean, if we go back, call it six years ago, people would ask me the question, right? Because I was growing both companies. I mean, I was I was speaking and doing enough coaching work to be a full-time speaker while I was a full-time financial advisor. And people would say, do you think you'll ever leave one? And I'm like, no, I'm sure you remember these answers earlier. I'd be like, no, I'm 50-50. I'll always be 50-50. I'll always be 50 And then just one day I woke up and I said, why am I trying to control something that is not in my control? I'm going to put forth the work every day and the doors that open, I'm going to run through those doors. And the next thing I knew, 100 percent of my time was speaking, writing and coaching. And it was time to transition my business uh, to a business partner of mine. And and here we are today.
0: One of the ideas that you leave behind when you do uh, longer workshops is something called a prize fighter day. So what what I want our friends to hear at home or driving or in the back of the bus, wherever they may be checking out the podcast right now, is how they can take the energy you have, the goals that you've personally achieved, and make it real for them. How can they be a better spouse, a better leader, better in sales, better in life, stronger in their faith? Whatever they want to race toward, Ben, give give us uh, the background of the prize fighter day and what it means for us. How we can build this out. So
1: a, a prize fighter day, we really can't have the discussion about that until you determine where you want to go. So I think, you know, for all of us, think about exactly where it is that you want to go. What's your vision? And and personally, too, not just professionally. We're not just talking bottom line. If you've never run a marathon and you want to run a marathon, write that down on a piece of paper. I am a marathon runner and believe in it. Right? Something that's work-related. Put, if you're in sales, I am at this level in sales. Right? So believe in it. Have affirmations around doing it. That's part of the vision. Once we understand where we're going, then that's how you build a prize fighter day. And just so you all know, you heard me say that word fight earlier. I believe that life is not just a marathon, it's a sprint, it's a marathon, it's a boxing match. My mother taught me how to fight through life, so that's where that prize fighter day comes from. You can call it whatever you want to call it. It's basically the context of figuring out the action steps that are in your control, that when you act on them, it's the process every day, you can hit your goals. O'Leary happens to have his. He Over one of our coffees, I said I would never tell anybody, but I think this is the appropriate time to mention it. He calls his his, ooh, baby day of greatness.
0: Yeah, that's right. And- <laughs>
1: Sorry. That's right. That's trademarked. But if you
0: guys want to borrow that and make it your ooh, so, baby day of greatness, you are welcome to. So you got you
1: guys can title it whatever you want, but going back to the example, if you don't like Prize Fighter Day, it's too strong. You're not a boxing fan. What a prize fighter day looks like is you take your personal goal and you break it down into what you need to do today to hit the goal. So if you say I want to run a marathon, there's probably a number of miles that you need to run today based upon your training schedule to cross that line and finish the marathon. Mm-hmm. We don't need to run all of our training runs over a three and a half month period of time in one day. You just need to run the miles that you're supposed to run today. Mm-hmm. For your sales career, you know, I call them points of contact in our sales training. What's a point of contact? Text message, email, phone call. The number of times that you actively reach out to somebody in the marketplace. Well, you know what the number is that you need to do every day to be successful, and then it's your choice if you do it or not.
0: Right. But ben, for those of us who are stuck, you're talking about marathon running. You're talking about sales training. What, what about for those of us who don't know who we are or what we want or where to go next? How, how can we start to discern a vision for ourselves?
1: So I, I'll, share, I'll share something with, with you that I think will really be helpful. And I'm, I'm going to sell somebody else's book. I always do a much better job of selling other people's books than I do my own. A guy named Darren Hardy, wrote a book called the compound effect. I love the book very much in alignment with prize fighter day type philosophies, but you know, he talks about an individual who's well overweight and in the book he says, and and the reason why I'm sharing this example is because I believe in long-term sustainable growth, creating habits that are sustainable long-term. So even if we start small, So if you say, I could never run a marathon, if you've never run a mile, right, then let's run a half a mile first. Mm. So if if that goal was too big, let's break it down and I'll meet you where you are. But in the book, he talks about somebody wants to lose 30 pounds. Are you better to go get that fad diet where you don't eat anything for a month and you lose 30 pounds, right? We've all seen that. Are you better off to say, look, in two and a half years... I can lose 30 pounds and keep it off if I reduce my caloric intake by 110 calories a day, which means if you drink two cans of soda a day, drink one. If you put mayonnaise on your sandwich, use mustard. That's 110 calories. Do that every day. It's a sustainable change, and you will lose the weight forever. Then it becomes part of your lifestyle. So wherever you are, I think there's a process Or there's some math that we can put to the equation that'll give you the ability to understand what you need to do today Mm -hmm. to hit your goals, no matter how small or how big they are.
0: I know you are big into mindset. Tell me about your mindset. Tell me what it means for us and tell me how we can choose the most successful mindset going forward, Ben.
1: I think a successful mindset is one where we focus on solutions rather than the problems. Right? We're all going to experience adversity. We're all going to experience negativity. But we also have a choice as to what we focus on when we respond. That's huge. It, right? I mean, I, one of my favorite stories ever in the world a- and if you guys have not seen it, Major League Baseball Network put together one of the most unbelievable pieces. You guys are going to think this is the John O'Leary it interview, not going. mine, but this is the way I like to do this. You, go- I'm telling you, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you have not watched what Major League Baseball put together about the relationship of John O'Leary and Jack Buck, you got to do it. So I could give you examples of me, but forget me, let's talk about John. Think about John. He received a baseball. One baseball in the mail, right? So here's this this young boy, he'd been burned on 100% of his body, given a half a percent chance of making it through the first night. Ben is and my J- understudy. So like,
0: <laughs> like all Broadway actors have one person that knows how to step on the stage should they get sick. If O'Leary goes down in, in a fiery you know, event, Ben Newman Call can me. step on. Yeah, that's right. Newman will take over. It's all good. But continue on, Brother Ben.
1: So all all of a sudden, you know, Jack Buck knows, right, the legendary Hall of Fame announcer, Jack Buck, the heart, the voice of the Cardinals, knows that John O'Leary can't use his hands because and he sends him a baseball and says, if you like the first baseball, send a thank you note to the person who sent it to you, Ozzie Smith, and I'll send you another. And you, in that moment, John O'Leary, you had a moment to say, forget this or whatever words Mm -hmm. you guys want to use. And we all have those moments. But you and your mom's words to you, it was encouragement. So, you know, John definitely had to find the courage within. But, man, do you have a strong, amazing family. And that strong, amazing family, they were there. His mother's an amazing woman to help him pick up that pen and to do it. Mm -hmm. So, you guys, we don't have to do it alone. John didn't do it alone. And you found the strength within you. That's the positivity. And you had a choice to be negative. And who would have blamed you for being negative? So no matter where you guys are, and I know everybody's been through challenge, don't allow yourself to stay in that negative mindset. If John O'Leary can push through what he's pushed through, I'm telling you right now, we all can push. This man is an inspiration. (laughs) And I'm telling you right now, if he could sign hundreds of baseballs that he still has today— then I know that any of us can break through and focus on positivity. So let me break down that story into a manageable piece one time a day. I call it The Power to Reframe. I learned it from you. I learned it from my mom first. But it's about focusing on solutions rather than problems. When you experience adversity or challenge, take 60 seconds. Take the Navy SEAL mindset. My Navy SEAL buddies, they say, you got five minutes. And if you go past five minutes, somebody's going to die. So you better get on with it. So for five minutes, get the negative emotion out, but identify what you can do that's positive and keep your mind on the positivity and surround yourself with people who support you and you'll make it through any challenge.
0: Ben, you are not only an energy guy and a goals guy uh, and a great guy, but you're also a purpose-driven guy. What, do you have a, a specific purpose today that is driving you forward, your fuel? March
1: of 2004... Managing director of Northwestern Mutual St. Louis. His name was Matt Plocker. I'm a 25-year-old kid. I had just said, yes, I will go sell life insurance and do investment planning for Northwestern Mutual, right? The crazy 25-year-old kid taking that on. And he slid across the table after I accepted the opportunity to join the firm. He slid across the table. 25-year-old kid. It's mission, purpose, vision, all these. And I wrote down a purpose statement. And the purpose statement was to empower and inspire individuals to uncover their passions and desires to seek a greater vision for themselves. I wrote it down as a 25-year-old kid. I have said that exact same purpose statement to myself every single day for over 13 years. The only difference is I now added the word educate. So now it's educate, empower, and inspire individuals to uncover their passions and desires to seek a greater vision for themselves. So I think it does start with purpose, John. You know, for everybody listening, if you don't know the purpose, why you're doing it, you know, many people call it their why. It's the purpose. It's that white hot reason that you're going to take action. Identify the purpose. Identify what drives you. Because when you get knocked down, it's that same very purpose that's going to help you get back up.
0: You have been on the road now and working out of your own home now for what eight years as a presenter at one level or another Sh- share with us one story where you realize gosh man it's worth it you know like being home m- missing amy missing the kids waking up early getting in late it but it's worth it for this reason can do you, ha- do you have one example that you want to share with us today
1: december 2012 fort sam houston in san antonio texas a Facebook friend that I went to high school with, and we were not even close buddies in high school, Ben Moses, Dr. Ben Moses. He was a surgeon, Fort Sam Houston, San Antonio, Texas. I get a Facebook message from him. Ben, would you be willing to come and speak to 780 wounded warriors of the United States Army? And I accepted that invitation in a half of a millisecond. I said I would not take a fee and I also promised him I would raise enough money because whether people realize it or not, when you're an author, I've written six books, you still buy your own books. They're not they're not free. So and they're not cheap to buy your own books because <laughs> The book at the time was Own Your Success, which is published by John Wiley and Sons. It's one of the major publishers in the world. It is not cheap to buy your own book. So I said, I'm going to raise money to get 780 books for all of these troops. And I went down and I watched, in, in addition to speaking for eight minutes, that's all I had was eight minutes. And you talk about having no idea what to say. To the men and women of this country, I mean, the faces of freedom who give you and I the opportunity to sit in this perfectly air-conditioned on a 97-degree day, have this awesome conversation, spend time with your listeners. I mean, they're the reason why we have the ability to do what we do. Mm. My eight minutes with them and then to watch two individuals receive Purple Hearts. Two! And one walked up, Officer Stockton. And they get, the general gave him the microphone and said, do you have anything you'd like to say? After they gave him a Purple Heart double amputee from losing both legs in Afghanistan, he grabbed the microphone, put it under his mouth, and he said, if I had to do it over again the exact same way, I would. And he takes the microphone, hands it back. That's all he said. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. And I said, this, this has changed my life. This absolutely... I I now think—I always thought about the troops. I always had a deep appreciation for the troops. And I know a lot of people say they think about the troops every single day. I think about the men and women fighting for our country because that day changed my life.
0: Ben, tell me about Amy. I know she uh, is one of the reasons why you do the work, one of the reasons why you celebrate the troops, one of the reasons why you write the books, one of the reasons why you coach— She's the love of your life. She's your girlfriend, your bride, the mother of your babies. Uh, just give us a glance into your uh, your family. So
1: my wife is a very driven woman as well. So she's got almost 20 years under her belt at Anheuser-Busch InBev. And there's a lot of type A running around our house. Yes. We are constantly... Uh, fighting for space. Uh, both <laughs> both of our kids, Isaac and Kennedy, they got the type A too. So I'm telling you, it is rough to find space to operate in. But I'll tell you what, she she is amazing. And the example she sets for our children is incredible. And she's a woman that's passionate about life and she's passionate about the things that make her successful. And I just I literally just think about our kids watching her work and also taking that time to go on vacations and the detail that she puts in. It's it's really incredible. It's really incredible.
0: If your mom was sitting here in the studio with us today, and and uh, you had an opportunity just to visit with her for a little bit, what 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 would you want to say to your mom?
1: I got to make a joke because that is not fair. Nobody has ever gone that deep with a question about my mom, and I cry when I watch the American Ninja Warrior like <laughs> success stories. Right before before American Ninja, be, oh my god! Do you see John O'Leary and when he <laughs> went through to be? Oh, he's going to do this! Oh, this is amazing! Right? Amy looks at me like, "Are you crying?" Right. Like it's a Hallmark commercial, <laughs> Newman. <laughs> the guy's going to compete on American Ninja Warrior. Why are you crying? So I, I'm an emotional dude. If you guys could see me, that that question caught me. I don't know if I'd say anything. I'd probably just hold her. I'd probably just hug my mom. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I. mean, you know. I. I just. I don't know if there's anything I could say. It, it's hard to put into words how my mother still impacts me to this day. And some people they probably think, "Gosh, I mean, he was a seven year old boy. How much does he know?" But the people that I've met that my mother taught, that she fought for, like stuff that, I mean, God just brought these people into my life and said, you know, I guess I'm supposed to share my story. I mean, it's amazing how things have, my mom was an extraordinary person. Mm. So it's it's almost like we've had these conversations. She still has this impact. I would just want to hug her. I would just want to hug her. The
0: apple hasn't fallen far from the tree, Ben Newman. And I have a feeling your mother is not only looking down with a smile on her face, but extremely proud of the little boy she helped ride and she left behind a journal to remind you that she's still walking with you. Ben, we're going to shift gears a little bit, let you catch your breath. And Ben Newman does, a, a good dog food commercial will get him. So, uh, <laughs> you know, talking about his mom and talking about his kids and talking about his bride and talking about his passion and his work. I know he's he's emotional over here. We're going to let him take a drink of water or whatever might be in that container. And we're going to shift gears and walk through what we call the Live Inspired Seven. There's seven questions that all of our guests over the past five seasons have been answering, Ben. So here we go. Number one, what's the best book that you've ever read?
1: Discover Your Destiny by Robin Sharma.
0: And Tell us a little bit more about that book.
1: First off, Robin Sharma is just awesome. I mean, energy, passion, you know, a a speaker and an author doing things for the right reasons. But if you're looking to find that purpose, you're struggling with that why and you want it in a fable, good story, you can connect with format, that book will do it for you.
0: Ben, tomorrow you discover that your wealthy uncle has shockingly died at 103, leaving you with millions. What would you do with that newfound wealth?
1: Well, there's a lot of charitable things that I would do. There's things that we've done for Barnes-Jewish Hospital here in honor of my mother. Uh, there's things that we've done. There's, there's a room dedicated at a hospice center. Uh, there's an amyloidosis research department in Boston. A, a big, huge chunk of money would go to those because we've definitely given a lot of money, but I would love to have more of an impact. I would also want to take money and encourage my wife um, to do something for her, uh, to really give back, right? Because a lot of times it's based upon my mom, but yeah. <clears throat> you know, it, I don't know if we've done enough for what her passions are. And then one of the other things I, I'll say is I would definitely fly on a private jet uh, to go to my speaking engagements more often. I would use the money as an expense because it is hard being on the road. And I, I do the best that I can to not miss much. But as you know, John, when you speak 80, 90 times a year and you're on the road, it is tough being away. I know that's hard for my wife. My my kids know what I do and why I do it. But to be able to, you know, if I were able to capture an extra 30, 40 nights at home Mm -hmm. by paying for some airtime, I would easily do it.
0: Take me with you. (laughs) Ben Newman, if your house caught fire and all living things, that's your animals, your bride, your family... Are out and you have an opportunity to run in and grab one item, something that really matters to you. I have a feeling I know the answer, but what would you run in and grab?
1: So you already know the, you do know the answer. So in, in our safe is my mother's journal. And that's the one thing I would want. All I would want out of that house is my mother's journal.
0: What conditions the journal in right now?
1: Oh, it is so beat up. Yeah. I mean, it's it it is. its got my mom's tears on it. It's got my tears on it. It's got the ink stains on it. It's got, you know, the edges of the cover is being, mm-hmm. you know, worn away. It's got an old spiral on it. It, 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 it looks like it came from the 80s. Well,
0: and it did. And we'll have links to all of this on our website, but awesome. So I have links to Ben's mother's journal and what that looks like and a little bit more of your story that you've written about before. Ben, if you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach and have a long conversation with anyone, living or dead, who would you want to hang out on that bench with?
1: Oh, man. What a question that is. I mean, is, is it fair to say that it could be my mom, but we would just, it, it's, I mean, I'll go back to the answer. I don't know how, I'm, I'm, I'm lost with what to say because I still wouldn't have a, it wouldn't be a conversation. I think it would just, it, it, it's almost, you would just sit there mm. and you would just take in the fact that, holy, I mean, I'm with my mom right now, <laughs> right? And I would just look and, you know, probably hold her hand and hug her and just, I mean, I'd be crying. I'd be crying so I wouldn't be able to speak. <laughs> so it would be my mom.
0: Awesome. Mom Mom seems like a common answer. And uh, I look forward to that conversation taking place in your life. Ben, what's the best advice you've ever received?
1: I'm, I'm going to go back to my mom and I, I hope you guys realize. And I know for all of you, there are people who have impacted you this way in your life. But the greatest life lesson I learned from her, it's not how long you live. It's how you choose to live your life. You know, for each and every single one of us, how you choose to respond to challenge and adversity determines the story that you write. If you have big goals for yourself, the choices you make today impact whether or not you hit those big goals. It all comes down to choices.
0: Mm. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? I think you're up at Michigan State at the time. What would you tell yourself? Mm.
1: I would probably I would probably tell myself to never settle. You know, I I think it's to never settle there. There's a, there's a lot to that answer. It would probably be a whole another podcast, but you know, I, I think sometimes in my life, emotionally in relationships, I would catch myself settling, right? Because I had been through tough stuff in my life, seen so much as an eight year old boy, right? What I saw with my two eyes, what you saw with your eyes before you were, you know, 10 years old, right? I mean, what you've gone through the pain, um, you know, why set just because you've been through pain? Why take on more pain? Mm-hmm. So I think not settling, being even more courageous. I think a lot of people would look and say, gosh, he's a courageous guy. But to have even be more courageous, mm-hmm. never settle.
0: You've almost run the gauntlet. We're down to the seventh and final question. Ben Newman, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you want your one sentence to read?
1: Leave your legacy.
0: Now, add to that. What does that mean to you?
1: Leave your legacy means, uh, so I'll, I'll go a little deeper on this one. So legacy, you know, many people think of legacy as legacy is just something that happens when you're gone. I look at it differently. As a result of my mother, how she lived her life, I recognize that each and every single one of us, you're actually writing the story of your legacy every single day because we don't know how much time we have. So if today is all we have, you better embrace it and leave a legacy because when the days are gone, we don't know when that that day is going to come for any of us. But When that day is gone, you're going to want to look back and make sure that the story people read is one that is powerful, one that made a difference, and one that left a legacy.
0: Ben, ben Newman, work can men and women, boys and girls, our friends, learn more about your work?
1: Well, come hop on at Continued Fight on social media. Uh, I, I, I love social media. It's such a great way to just connect. It's a great way to engage. So at Continued Fight on Instagram and Twitter and you know Facebook and LinkedIn, those are just my name, Ben Newman.
0: Newman, I said it earlier, I'll say it again loud and clear. Your mother is proud of the boy she helped raise. Your father is proud of the boy that he now has a connection and a relationship with again. I'm proud to call you a friend, and you are indeed leaving a beautiful legacy. So thank you for spending some time with us on the Live Inspired podcast.
1: Thank you, J.L. I appreciate being with you and all the listeners.
0: My friends, that was Ben Newman. This is John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live inspired. Focus on solutions rather than problems. Woo! I don't know what the prize of admission is today for the podcast, but that one just painted right there. Focus on solutions rather than the problems. How frequently as we look around work and schools and hospitals and healthcare and marriages and raising kids and fixing things in the community, we focus on what is broken and we get laser focused there. Ben Newman reminded us today to focus on solutions, not the problems. Yeah, we got to embrace the problems eventually, but let's 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 come together and grab onto the solutions that will unite, not divide. Great advice Ben Newman along with a whole lot of other things. If you want to see all of the takeaways from Ben Newman's time with us, consider checking it out in our show notes. We'll certainly have links to Ben Newman's information. We'll also have the show notes from this conversation along with the archived podcast that we've done over the last previous months. So check us out at JohnO'LearyInspires.com. And if you haven't yet already, consider reviewing the podcast, consider rating the podcast, consider helping us share this Live Inspired podcast with a community that I think might benefit from some great ideas that are put forward during this podcast. Uh, so rate the show, review it, Spread it to your friends, your family, your coworkers. Let them know that in a marketplace of negativity, hey, there's one place that celebrates that the best days are upon us and the best days remain in front of us. This is good news. I appreciate you listening in to the Live Inspired podcast for this time. And until next time, this is John O'Leary, and this is your day. Live Inspired.